the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Nice to see all of you, and nice to be seen by those watching, hopefully a considerable number watching online right now. Uh, we are continuing to look at St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, and our passage begins with, be careful then how you live. Now you may remember from last week that the word there, live, is actually the Greek word to walk. To walk, And it's a Hebrew metaphor in this sense. To walk uh, means to walk through life. And so literally Paul is writing, be careful how you walk. And that reminded me of a story. So many of you know that uh, my last two churches, I, um, I led men's backpacking trips. Uh, in, um, and we'd go up to the mountains for four days. It, they were fantastic. It was a, a, a retreat. It was not my idea. I stole it from another church. Uh, but it was, uh, it was, they were great trips, and, and the Lord always met us. I would love to do them here. Uh, it's a little too far. But uh, we have lots of stories from those, from those trips. But one that really sticks out to me was a time I was hiking uh, through the Smoky Mountains with my friend Jeff. Now, if I remember right, the rest of the group was ahead of us by a few minutes, and, um, and we were on this trail, really on the side of a mountain. It was a wide trail, and, and, uh, but it fell way off to the left, uh, probably 60 or 70 degree pitch, I would guess, for what seemed to me like, I don't know, two or 300 feet. Uh, but it was a wide trail, so it was no problem until... We got to a place where this tree had fallen from up high on, on the mountain across the trail. Big, big uh, tree, oak tree or something like that. And so, you know, can't go under it, can't go through it, got to go over it. And Jeff and I are carrying about 35, 40 pounds uh, on our backs. And uh, so I went first and I, I climbed up onto a branch and then I swung my left leg over the trunk and leaned into the trunk so that the, the pitch, the, the drop-off, was behind, behind me. And I got to tell you, I, and this, the trip was going great, and I was feeling pretty good, uh, and I was just in a really good mood, and so I decided, I, I, for whatever reason, I was going to kind of hot dog it a little bit. And uh, there was a log right down there, so I just kind of skipped, kind of jumped down onto this log. And when I put all my weight uh, on that log, it rolled, and I tumbled backwards over my backpack, head, uh, heels overhead, off the mountain for one flip, and then I stopped. I have no idea to this day how I stopped or why I stopped. I, my fingers were dug into the dirt such that when I came up, actually, the, the dirt was about halfway up my fingernails. I mean, it was I was <laughs> dug in. But I still don't think that should have stopped me. I just... I have no explanation other than the angels just, just stopped me. They knew I needed to be, come be your rector. So I just, I just it stopped me. And, um, and I, when I, I stopped, I just, I just threw my head back in laughter. I just couldn't believe this. And, but poor Jeff was white as a sheet. Uh, he had reached out to try to catch me and missed and thought I was a goner for sure. I had been walking along, came across an came upon an obstacle, and I was not careful how I walked. So we, um, 
we came, we're coming to the text this morning in Ephesians, and Paul has been describing the new life of the Christian. New life. Uh, if you were to go back and read the chapters and verses ahead of today's text, you would see that Paul tells us that our faith in Christ has put off our old self and has put on a new self. The old is gone, the new has come, which I think is another way to say that Christianity is not an, a religion of information, but a relationship of transformation. And uh, Jesus, Jesus did not come to make bad people good or to make good people better. Like, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be okay. No, he came to make dead people alive. And that's your story, and it's my story. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Maybe you were self-defeating in your rebellion. Maybe you were self-congratulating in your moral good works. But either way, you were your own highest end, and therefore, Paul says, you were dead in your sin and your transgressions. But God, Paul says, but God made you alive in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. He forgave you to love you, to live in you, to live through you. We did not earn such favor. It is all grace. And the nature of God's grace is that it changes us. It changes us. Someone has said he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Right? Because to know Christ is to be transformed by him. It's part of the deal. Transformation. And in one sense, we are transformed. We are. We have been transformed. You, you cannot be more loved, more forgiven, more justified, seen as more pure than God sees you in Christ. We have been transformed in that sense. But in another sense, we are still being transformed, aren't we? We are always learning to live into what is always uh, already true about us in Christ. And that's our walk, learning to live like what is true. Be careful then, Paul says, how you walk, how you live. Now why? Why should we be careful? Because we live this transformed and transforming life in the midst of a world that has not been transformed. They can't stand Christian transformation. We are the light of Christ to the world. All the while, the world is calling us back, calling us away from Jesus, uh, calling us back to being our own gods, and calling us back to making ourselves our own highest ends. Paul knows that as we seek to live that transformed life, all sorts of obstacles will be put in our path, all sorts of logs that are going to roll when we step on them. If you're going to, to go back through chapters 4 and 5, he has already touched on a lot of temptations, rolling logs like lying, anger, sexual immorality, disunity among believers, foul language, and more. And so when Paul tells us, be careful then how you live, I expect him to follow that with, uh, be careful how you live, not as unrighteous, but as righteous. Not as immoral, but as moral. But that's not what Paul says. He says, 
Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. As wise. He appeals not to our behavior, but he appeals to our discernment. To our judgment. Be wise, he says. And throughout the pages of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the scriptures prize wisdom. Wisdom. In fact, there's a whole genre in the Old Testament of literature called wisdom literature. Think of the Proverbs, but there's, there's plenty more as well. What does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to be wise? Well, it's not simply to be smart. Right? There's a lot of smart people who do dumb stuff, right? To be wise is to rightly apply the knowledge that we have. When you seek out someone that we might call wise counselor, like you've got a big problem, something, something that you, a situation that you need to figure out, you might go to someone uh, who will offer you wise counsel. You're not going to go to somebody who is uh, going to shoot from the hip, who's not going to take it seriously, who's going to give an angry response or a flippant response or a self-interested response. You're going to go to someone that you trust to be a good steward of the knowledge that you give them and of the situation that you've described and to help you discern the best way forward. Because wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Wisdom would have been to test the log before I jumped on it, right? And so Christian wisdom then is is being careful to walk through life as a Christian in a particularly Christian way, to think Christianly, to apply the knowledge that we have of Christ and His grace to the obstacles that come into our life. And Paul is working with the assumption, it seems, that, that Christians are wise people and not fools. That may be a generous assessment. We seem to jump on rolling logs just as much as anybody else, but I think at least we can say that Christians want to honor the Lord with their lives. We're not perfect. We're still being transformed. We make mistakes. But we want to live lives that honor Jesus. We want to reflect God's character with our own character. And in fact, to do so is wise. So Paul gives us three ways to walk in wisdom. And we're just going to hit them almost as quickly as Paul does. And then we'll be done. So he talks about time, discernment, and relational focus. Time, discernment, and relational focus. First he says, we are to make the most use of our time because the days are evil. Now, I don't think he means like, horror movie, killer clown kind of evil. But I think what he's saying is that there's really nothing about our days uh, that's going to um, work naturally to help us keep our hearts and minds focused on Jesus. At least in my experience, it's just the opposite. and We get so busy and we're so easily distracted. There are, as you know, a a million ways or more to, to, to waste time. Right? And always there's somebody right there willing to happily waste time with you to affirm us in that time wasting. And Paul didn't even have Facebook and Instagram to worry about, right? Always dinging on our phones. Here's a, here's a free hint, right? Turn off the notifications. 
Um, but the truth is, you have, you and I have, just as much time as anybody else in the world. You and I are just as wealthy in terms of time as Bill Gates. But once we, just like him, once we spend it, that time is gone. So how are we spending our time? Paul asked that as a spiritual question. A spiritual question. He doesn't mean, of course, be as busy as possible. He just means make the best use of your time for the glory of God. I mean, sometimes we got to take care of ourselves. Sometimes we got to, uh, the best, sometimes the best use of our time is to slow down and take a nap, right? Amen, right? Paul is simply saying that if we are going to live lives that honor Jesus all the way through, we want to make sure that the way that we are spending our time is matching our values and our priorities. And I got to tell you, this is hard for me. I mean, to balance work and family and hobbies and important relationships, I don't always get it right. I mean, sometimes it, it takes work, it takes thoughtfulness, it takes reflection when I make, it, um, make a mistake about it. Sometimes it takes accountability. I don't really like accountability. But Paul wants us to walk in wisdom, to avoid the rolling logs dinging on our phones. For the glory of God, he says, make the best use of your time. Second, Paul talks about discernment. He says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, it might sound kind of hard, some of us, to understand what the will of the Lord is, but I think it's worth noting that Paul is speaking to just to regular Christians, like you and me. Like He's not talking to popes and Bible scholars. He's talking to bakers and carpenters and city guards. We can all, that's his expectation, we can all understand God's will. How do we do that? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Now, it's not going to tell you specific things about like, you know, who you should marry or, or what vocation you should pursue. Those things are matters of wisdom. But it is going to tell you over and over again about God and about His Son and about God's love and about His general will for our lives how we are to conduct ourselves regardless of the obstacles that come our way. And as you read Scripture, you'll read stories about people who have done okay applying that truth. There, you'll read stories about people who have made a mess of things. And you'll see how God has dealt with both of them. He's gracious. You just read a little of the, of the Bible most days. Pay attention to what you... Don't just get through it. Pay attention to what you're reading. And you'll be amazed at the clarity that you gain and at, at how you'll be amazed at the clarity you gain of how you were to walk through life right and I would recommend if you if, you're, if that's not a habit of yours already start with the gospel and then read a few letters of Paul's and then go back to the next gospel and read some more letters after you're done with that read another gospel maybe start goes through some psalms but I mean there's really no way that you can, uh, no, there's no wrong way to go through the Bible. You can, um, you can Google hundreds of, of Bible reading plans. 
I would suggest if you are new to reading the Bible, start in the New Testament. Don't just start at Genesis 1. But we would love to help you with, with that. Read the Bible. Understand the general will of the Lord. Gain wisdom. So, make the best use of the time. Understand the will of the Lord. And finally, Paul goes from preaching to meddling. When, when he, uh, he says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. This is not really about alcohol. It is about the focus of our still transforming hearts and what we want to fill ourselves with. If the two great expressions of our faith are to love God and love our neighbor, then it is virtually impossible to do that when we are drunk or filled with other things. And virtually impossible not to do that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I will say, it's true, alcohol can be a rolling log, right? For some more than others. And we need to be careful how we walk. But what Paul is describing is a spirit-filled life. A life that is not self-centered, but in the manner of Jesus Christ is others-oriented. That is speaking words of encouragement and praise to God and to others. A life that is seeking to serve rather than to be served. And Paul says it's a joyful life. And if you read the description, speaking psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, songs to one another, it means singing. He just means lifting others up. It's encouraging. It's a joyful life, but it's not a natural life. It does not come naturally. It takes thoughtfulness. It takes practice. It takes the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it takes prayer. And it takes our whole life. And I think it's important to say also that it takes remembering with diligence that we Christians walk through life first and foremost as those who have already been served. Right? We, we are first and foremost those who have been served by Christ himself. We are called to put others first by the one who put us first when he died for us on the cross. So, be filled with the Spirit so that you may bless God and bless others. Discern the will of the Lord by reading the Bible. Make the best use of the time because the time is short. And all along the way, watch out for rolling logs that will trip us up. And do none of it in your own strength. But by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Amen.